Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Wounded Warrior Project is working to foster the most successful generation of veterans in our nation's history. One of the ways they do that is through adaptive sports. Veterans are some of the most resilient people on the planet. It's not about what you can't do after experiencing injury or illness. It's about tapping into what you can do. Learn more about how Wounded Warrior Project's adaptive sports programs are changing lives at www.woundedwarriorproject.org sports. This show is brought to you by K Jewelers. Listen up, NFL fans. K just dropped a collection of officially licensed NFL jewelry. Shop your favorite team in the True Fans Fine Jewelry Collection at k.com slash truefans. Gear up for the season and celebrate the love of the game with K. It's about to go down. This is the Buffalo Nerd Sports Podcast. Where we talk history of the game numbers and stats. And each week we highlight a charity that's doing good. If you haven't subscribed yet, then you should. Because I'm this, 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 this the, the real deal. And you know I gotta shout out the Buffalo Bills. Turn it up to the max. Sit back and relax. This the Buffalo Nerd Sports Podcast. Hey, what is up, Bills Mafia? Welcome into another episode of the Buffalo Nerd. If this is your first time joining us, thank you for being here. Uh, we're happy to have you. If you're a part of the Nerd Mafia already, thanks for coming back. I'm glad you're listening. Uh, we got a great guest this week. Everybody's super amped up. Obviously, we are days away from getting this football season started. So before we dig too much into getting into the football and the game and all that kind of stuff, I wanted to shout out my guest that I have with me today. I'm super stoked about this one. He took his time out of hanging out at football practice today for the Steelers <laughs> to uh, come on and hang out with us a little bit. So I got Christopher Carter joining me. He also does the Lockdown Steelers podcast himself. He covers Pitt. He covers the Steelers. He's all over the place. So Christopher, welcome in. Thanks for your time. Uh, why don't you shout out uh, and let the audience know a little bit about yourself. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Carter Critiques. Uh, that's where I give all my my general takes and just you know updates on all the things I'm working on. I do cover the University of Pittsburgh's football and basketball teams, as well as the Pittsburgh Steelers. Kind of do it for different venues. I also do some high school football work in Western PA. Um, you know, kind and fantasy football, all sorts of things. Steeler Nation Radio, uh, Channel 11, our NBC affiliate, uh, WPXI in Pittsburgh. Uh, DKPittsburghSports.com and the Locked On Steelers podcast. Just many hats, Colt. Many hats. Yeah, so you're you're kind of busy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah, just a little bit. But it's good to be busy in football season. Right. So you're busy, uh, but you get to watch a lot of football. Um, you've had your pulse on this team this preseason and mm-hmm. kind of through camp and that kind of stuff. So I figured mm-hmm. you'd be a great person to talk to as we're getting ready to head into week one of what I believe is two teams that are probably playoff contenders uh, this season, and they get to kick off with each other. Right. So, but before we get into all that kind of stuff, uh, we do like to highlight the charity every week on the show so as the guest uh, christopher got to choose the charity that he wanted to highlight this week and he chose the community empowerment association so christopher uh, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about them and why you chose them 
Well, the Community Empowerment Association is a group that is one of the stronger organizing powers in Pittsburgh, especially in the Black community there. Um, it's also a, a place where I sit on the board of directors at because I like to volunteer for them. I've been with them for several years where I'm just coming in, helping with different programs. Uh, what CEA, uh, Community Empowerment Association, you know, the, the short version of it or abbreviated, but what, what CEA does is they do a lot of different projects, you know, whether it's mentoring kids to help them, you know, give them after school things to do, helping them through the summer stay stay on task at school work to you know teach them different skills that'll help them in different clubs activities and also getting into college um, there's lots of community efforts as far as organizing around around the city of Pittsburgh um, they try to help neighborhoods and you know you'll work to improve negotiate or you know with the city to say hey let's do more for this part of the city that's getting overlooked right now um, a lot of different projects that CEA takes on um, you know like with Black Lives Matter was a major issue CEA was right at the forefront as far as helping organize a lot of the efforts to kind of you know understand what the messaging was there and helping you know kind of steer us in the right path at least in the in the Pittsburgh area so if you ever want to check out what they do go to CEAPittsburgh.org and you can see all of their works it's a great organization. Um, I've been privileged to sit on their board of directors for such a long time and to kind of, you know, experience some of the kids that I've met through there. Uh, a couple of years ago, I got to intertwine both of my passions of covering football and helping out the community by getting a bunch of the kids that they mentor uh, to take them to Steelers training camp. And uh, they got to like Sweet. hang out and like, you know, Juju Smith-Schuster high-fived one of the kids. And the kid was like, oh, I'll never wash this hand again. Um, you know, awesome. it was just stuff like that. But that's what CEA has been all about is getting these kids exposure to things that they might not have ever seen before, helping them understand, you know, this is the path that you need to be on to be more successful in life. Lots of great stuff there and there's so much more that they do in the community helping with you know community building projects you know getting more you know minority construction companies opportunities where there hadn't been in the city of pittsburgh so it's a great place check them out at ceapittsburgh.org yeah absolutely i mean when uh, you sent over that that's who you wanted to highlight of course you know i went and started digging around and taking a look it's super cool everything that's happening i mean it's a massive web of just like youth yeah. empowerment that's out there you know at least from what i'm gathering just from checking out the site and kind of stuff obviously you're on the board so you're telling me that is what it is and it's it's really cool i mean because there are still as much as we like want to try to not pretend these things still exist there are communities out there that still need help there's areas that are still struggling especially coming out of covid um you know there's just big neighborhoods that are taking hits out there. So it's really cool what they're doing. And it's, you know, everything about the youth. It's the way we can change what we're going to do moving forward, right? So I really like it. It's a great organization. So like we always do, everything will be in the show notes. Chris has already mentioned where you can find it a couple times, but we'll make sure you can link right over there, check out all the resources, find out what's going on over there. It's cool because usually too, when you find these things is if you look close enough, there's probably an association in your backyard that's very similar to this, right? So, uh, mm -hmm. I mean, it just kind of gets the word out there about it. So thanks for bringing that up, Chris. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. So. Should we talk about the upcoming Pittsburgh Steelers versus Buffalo Bills week one of the 2021 NFL season with fans in attendance? Everything's back in normal-ish. Uh, I'm pretty stoked. Um, just from preseason, what's your overall status of the Pittsburgh Steelers right now? I mean, they're they're healthy. That's the good thing for the most part. Stephon Tuitt, your star defensive tackle, uh, listed as defensive end, but he really is just a defensive tackle. Um, he is on injured reserve, but from what we understand, it's more so because uh, his brother, you know, that died in a tragic accident over the summer, and it really. You know, uh, that's traumatic. That's something that every family, you know, when a family goes through that, he was very close to his brother. Um, so he spent a lot of time this summer kind of dealing with that and helping his mother 
Um, so he, you know, came into training camp and wasn't exactly in the best condition to play football. So they've kind of given him more time to kind of figure that out, sort that out himself. And they, they expect him back at some point this season, but he will not be available week one. But, you know, other than right tackle Zach Banner, who's still recovering from an ACL tear that he had early last season, um, they're pretty much healthy across the board. And I think that's the thing what the Steelers are most excited to see. Uh, ben Roethlisberger's arm looks just fine. Yeah, when you see him throwing the ball around in training camp practices and regular season practices and in the preseason, um, there's a lot of excitement in the air. Najee Harris has really brought a lot of life into the locker room as a guy at the running back position that they really haven't had a dynamic player at that spot since Le'Veon Bell. In 2017, it's been that long. So there's a lot of confidence there, and there's a lot of confidence in the defense with Devin Bush. They went and got Joe Schobert to be the number two linebacker next to him, which they really feel excited about. There's still excitement about uh, Minka Fitzpatrick being you know, a top-tier safety in the NFL. They still got Cam Hayward. Um, there's a lot of excitement in uh, both Melvin Ingram and Alex Highsmith as edge rushers. Still waiting to see T.J. Watt practice in full. He's been doing like a partial practice deal while they work out his contract, but people are expecting that to kind of end and be done with by Wednesday, we will see. If he doesn't practice Wednesday, that would be my sign that he might not play week one, but doubt that happens. But all in all, this team's healthy. They have a lot of talent across the board. It's going to be about can they stay healthy and can this offensive line gel? Because that's probably the biggest question mark on the team right now. Yeah, I mean, for me, that's when I'm looking at this. Besides, like, the losses of, like, Bud Dupree and a couple spots there, I feel like Steelers' defense is, one way or another, it's going to be similar to a Steelers' defense, right? I feel like that's always the case. They're one of those teams to me, like, Baltimore does the same thing. You can take a lot of the pieces away, but somehow the defense still just finds the way. And I think the Steelers are going to do that. But for me, it's, it has been the offensive line to me is the only thing when I'm looking at the team going – yeah, they're suspect at the offensive line, I feel like, still. But that's because we haven't really seen it. And what right. they were last year, they just didn't look that good. But, I mean, you bring in a stud running back, I mean, and things like that, he can make bad offensive lines look good too, right? So, I mean, it'll be interesting. But that, to me, is the only piece in in Ben's health, right? There were some early yes. like photos of him icing up real heavy in OTAs and things like that. And it's like, man, is Ben... Is he going to make it another season? Because where do you where do you stand on the backup quarterback? Because for me, I feel like the Mason Rudolph project's kind of been over, and they should have gotten somebody different at this point. But I'm you know I'm an outsider here, so I only see bits and pieces of it. But where do you stand on the backup if Ben goes down? Well, the thing is, is that the Steelers know if Ben goes down, the season's pretty much done at that point anyways, as far as any hope to make a push in the playoffs. But they feel confident that Mason Rudolph could be a competent backup, as in, hey, just be in the game, don't throw the interception, and let the defense in the running game win the game for you. That's what he's going to be there for. They're, they do not believe that Mason Rudolph is the guy of the future, nor do they believe that Dwayne Haskins is the guy of the future. If one of them, you know, suddenly flips a switch in a year or two, and you know, and they find that out, great. But this team is not banking on that at all. Uh, right now, I mean, Mason Rudolph, you know, he's a guy who, you know, if you remember in 2019, him and Devlin Hodges, a fourth string undrafted rookie quarterback, you know, came out of uh, Division one double a or fcs football they went eight and six with those two guys so i mean they're confident that like look if push comes to shove and maybe ben just misses a couple games these guys can at least come in play decent enough football that the rest of the team can carry them to the win while they kind of manage the situation 
That's what the bet with the Steelers backup quarterback situation is. It's not anyone trying to say that Mason Rudolph is the guy moving forward. He's the heir to Ben Roethlisberger, despite anyone who might try to say that that is the case right now. And who knows if Ben retires after this season, maybe he becomes the temporary heir while they figure out the next one. But he and by no means is the guy that they're planning right now to be the new uh, sheriff in town that they're going to draw up 45 passes a, a game for week in and week out. Okay, gotcha. So speaking kind of on that, where you just moved us that way a little bit is, so you go out and you draft this really good running back to me. Does that mean that we're going to see a, a run heavy Pittsburgh offense this year, do you think? Or, I mean, you've got quite a bit of speed at the offensive wide receiver positions with Claypool. Johnson was like what one of the most highly targeted players in the NFL last year. I mean, so are you anticipating a real kind of like balanced offense or is this going to try to feed through Najee and then we just use our speed on play action and things of that? Well, yeah, I don't see this being a run-heavy offense. I see it being a more balanced offense. I mean, last year, uh, the Steelers had the worst rushing offense in the league. They ranked 32 in total yards produced, and they also ranked uh, 32 uh, in yards per carry. They were just abysmal when it came to running the football. And, you know, part of it was the offensive line kind of aging and not being able to put it together. Another part of it was they didn't have any dynamic running backs. If the blocks weren't there, they weren't going to make a play with that. And as much as everyone loved James Conner, you know, he's a guy from Erie PA, went to Pitt, overcome cancer, came, you know, was able to come back and play a really strong year to finish out his career at Pitt that got drafted by the Steelers filled in for Le'Veon Bell when he didn't show up. Great story. Everyone loved James Conner, but at the end of the day, he was still just more of a slightly above average running back and the Steelers wanted a dominant running back in that backfield. And that's what they believe Najee Harris can be. That being said, they're not going to uh, just eliminate the passing game and, and take that away. It's just going to be a more balanced look because last year, I mean, the Steelers, they weren't confident when they went into third and ones and fourth and one situations. They would often find themselves passing in those spots to try and overcome that because they weren't confident that their running backs would be able to find the hole and get and take advantage of that. There is that confidence with Najee Harris, so you'll see a more balanced attack. But I'm not I'm not predicting the Steelers to have some top-tier run game. If this rushing offense ends up ranking in the upper 20s, and I mean upper as in like, you know, closer to 23, 22, 21, this offense will be right where they want to be because they'll have Ben Roethlisberger, who uh, feels a lot fresher than last year. You know, last year leading into the season, he threw like thousands of passes before minicamp even opened because – uh, he was, you know, rehabbing that elbow of his that he got surgery on. And this year he didn't need to do all that rehab and he feels a lot fresher doing it. So um, there's a lot of confidence that this offense can find a balance. They love Chase Claypool. They love Juju Smith-Schuster, Deontay Johnson, James Washington. And they're really, really liking Pat Fryer with their second round draft pick out of Penn State at tight end. Um, Eric Ebron's still the starter. But both of them were named co-starters on the depth chart that got released Monday as their first official regular season depth chart. Um, So really intrigued to see how they balance out this offense because they have a lot of different talents in a lot of different positions. Yeah, I'm glad you brought those guys up because that's where I wanted to go. Next was Pat. Uh, he was coming out of the draft. I was like, we need to find a way to get him in Buffalo. Like, that's the guy. He, I know he was injured and he missed time, but if you go back and watch what he did in the year prior, the dude was making phenomenal catches on the sideline. I mean, he's he's a big body dude. Do you anticipate at some point that he may kind of just overtake the position this season, that Ebron maybe backseats a little bit? I mean, you got the co-starter, so that's convenient for both of them, I guess, at this point. But Pittsburgh, to me, has always been a... We love the tight end, right? I mean, I, I thinking back to Heath, you know, and like all that kind of stuff. I'm just, is Pat going to be the new? We're going to hear it every time he scores a touchdown. <laughs> there is, uh, there is a chance that, that Steelers fans are trying to develop as far as Muth because uh, for, for Fryer Muth. So that is, okay. believe me, 
Steelers fans loved that Heath chant. I mean, with Heath Miller left, they had Jesse James, who was the next guy. Jesse James, you know, just another, like, taller, white tight end. So when he caught passes, they still screamed Heath after Heath retired. And, like, Jesse James look around like, I, that's not my name. What are we doing? <laughs> uh, you know, but but he eventually was like, yeah, I, I consider a badge of honor because Heath, Heath Miller was, was a bad dude. Uh, so, uh, but Pat Fryermuth, I think, is different. You know, Jesse James was the fifth-round pick that – filled in nicely and gave you a couple good things. Pat Frymuth looks like he's going to be a problem for a lot of teams once he figures himself out. In the one preseason game that Ben Roethlisberger played, both times that he'd gotten to the red zone, he put it right to Frymuth in tight situations, and Frymuth pulled it down in coverage. Uh, he doesn't drop too many passes. They really love using him, especially in red zone situations. Um, I wouldn't say just straight up overtake Ebron, but they're going to rotate those guys a lot this year. And I'd look for Pat Frymuth to be a, a serious problem when you get inside the 20 and Ben Roethlisberger starts looking down the middle of the field and says, okay, where's the weakness here? Are they sending guys to help outside? Are they blitzing a lot over the middle? You know, is there a one-on-one situation that I can get the ball to Pat? That's where I see Pat Frymuth's impact coming in. Um, and who knows, maybe by the end of the season, he's played his way in a position where, yeah, we want you out there more than Eric Ebron. But I, I think it's going to be a more of a healthy dose of both getting out there because Ebron's still a veteran. You know, he's his hands aren't aren't as reliable as Frymuth's have shown to be, but he's still a veteran that knows the job and knows responsibilities and assignments and how to adjust day-to-day in the NFL. So I'm not sure it's going to get overtaken right away, but I do think the plan is Frymuth becomes the serious uh, red zone threat and overall tight end that all the other opponents are going to have to respect. Yeah, I mean, I just watching him, I think that's exactly when he went there, I was like, that's exactly what they want, what they need. <laughs> I mean, that's you just gave them exactly what they wanted, right? Like, that's what it felt like to me. I was like, damn it, really? Pittsburgh got him? Okay. You know, but very cool. So it feels to me like your offense is going to have no issues, uh, realistically, besides the offensive line. But I think overcoming with the passing game and Najee, they should be able to overcome that a little bit. I kind of mentioned it at the beginning there. That I think we're both playoff contenders. Do you see the Steelers making the playoffs this year? Because that the North is very tough. I mean, I, I've got the Browns as a very strong team. Baltimore is obviously going to be there. Cincinnati I still is the lower tier in that group, you know, but they're going to be in the mix a little bit. Do you have the Steelers making the playoffs? I do. I think this team has too much balance. I mean, Again, there's a lot of people, you know, I, I do shows with different guys in the Locked On Podcast Network, and I talk to guys that host the Locked On Browns, Ravens, Bengals. There's a lot of people who seem to think that the Steelers are just going to fall off the map and get five wins this season. That's never happened under Mike Tomlin. And, and again, if your belief was that the Steelers would fall apart if Ben Roethlisberger wasn't there and wasn't playing at this extremely high level, that was proven wrong in 2019 when he was down and he was owing, they were 0-2 when he started, and then they finished 8-6. and so as a season, that's eight and eight on the year. I mean, that was the year to have the losing season, and it didn't happen. I don't see it happening on a team that has the best edge rusher in football, the best safety in football, really talented interior defensive linemen in Stephon Tuitt and Cam Hayward, a talented linebacker in Devin Bush, who I think will be able to show up and show out this year once he's back in full 100%, a running back that they're very excited to see, a receiving core that might be among the deepest among the NFL. That's too many positive skill sets in groups along with an organization that has the organizational integrity of the Pittsburgh Steelers because you know oftentimes you'll see teams they'll amass talent but it'll fall away real quickly or things won't go the right way the Steelers they have the integrity to keep the guys they want to keep to continue to build in the way they want to build uh I don't see how this team finishes anything worse than a 10 and 7 um and if it's the seventh seed wild card okay cool but 
I think it's been since 2003. That would that would have been the last time that they finished lower than like seventh place in the AFC in, in rankings. And again, that was the year before Ben Roethlisberger. I just I don't see that happening in this year where that's going to change. Yeah, I mean, I have them right there. I have them at like nine wins. I just think their schedule makes some of it a challenge, right? Mm-hmm. They're gonna they got some tough games they've got to play, and their schedule is not going to be favorable for them. So that's why I've got them right around there. And they, uh, I don't know, have you seen the um, ESPN did their little thing where they put out the their simulation thing where no, they I run the simulator like twenty thousand times or whatever, <laughs> and so they put it out. And it has the Jaguars coming in as the seven seed, which I thought was pretty incredible that they start out like on this really hot run. They like start out four and one or something like that. Um, but gets down into it. The Pittsburgh's the six seed. They're nine and eight. Uh, they lose, I think, in the first round of the playoffs. They do have the Bills at 13 and four and winning the Super Bowl against, I think they played Green Bay in the Super Bowl. It was okay. something like that. That'd be a different but, one. Yeah, that'd be kind of cool. But I've been chanting all offseason that it's Bills Browns for the Battle of Lake Erie for the AFC Championship this year. <laughs> um, but so speaking of the Bills a little bit, uh, before as we're getting kind of close to the end here, you feel pretty confident on your side. You got a playoff team. I think I've been kind of down on the Steelers, and I think that they this could potentially be a down year for them. And it's all schedule related for me, realistically, and Ben's health and the offensive line. But as far as the Bills, do you see them coming into Buffalo this opening week and really having a chance to win this game? Or is Buffalo too good of a team right now in your eyes for them to go into this? Because for me, this is really challenging. If you were to play the Steelers probably in like week six, I would feel a lot more confident in saying that we could beat them, but not knowing necessarily what everybody's going to try to do in the first week. Mm-hmm. I give them a lot more of a chance to potentially win that game. But where, where do you kind of stand on that? I mean, one thing I've learned in studying the NFL, watching the NFL, you never count out any team, no matter how much you think that they are worse than the other team. But um, when it comes to the Steelers right now, the biggest advantage I see the Bills having is, you know, when you talk about not knowing, the Steelers still need their offensive line to gel. It looks like their starters will be Dan Moore, rookie fourth-round pick at left tackle, but he's really impressed in training camp. Kevin Dotson, who's a, uh, a second-year fourth-round guard, but he looks like the truth at left guard. He may be the biggest problem for the Bills. Uh, Kendrick Green, a rookie at center. Trey Turner, a vet at right guard. And Chakuma Korfor at right tackle, another vet. Um, all these are new. This line's never played together before. Trey Turner, new to the team. Kendrick Green. I mean, Trey Turner, Kendrick Green, Dan Moore Jr. weren't on this roster last year. So, uh, and, and you're talking about an organization that over the past, I'd say six or seven years, had pretty much the same offensive line, which just rarely happens for more than three years uh, in the NFL. So that's where the biggest thing that the Bills can take, right? If, if Jerry Hughes, if Ed Oliver, if, if those guys up front can cause problems, that can make some things real interesting. But I'm not counting out the Steelers in this. I wouldn't pick them to win per se. I, I still think the Bills are the favorites here, obviously. But I just I'm not counting these guys out because I've seen them play. And also, I mean, last year the big thing was, you know, early on the season, I got different friends that cover Buffalo sports and, and were following the game. And they were just like, How are the Steelers holding this team in the first half? Uh, and if you remember that defense, they were doing it now. In the second half, Josh Allen and the Bills were like, ah, just throw it to Stephon Diggs when he's covered by Steven Nelson. Um so uh, that was kind of the solution then. But, uh, you know, I think the Steelers, they're a little bit more confident in how they can line up on defense. Last year, especially that part of the season, they were just decimated with injuries. They were down to fifth and sixth string, you know, linebackers. Their edge rushing position was getting clobbered. Again, Ben's arm was just notably tired for how much rehab work he had to do in the offseason. There was so much that had to be calculated in those games that just 
definitely played a factor. I'm very intrigued to see how a fresh Steelers team approaches that situation. I do think that they can battle. And I, I think this will be a good game. I'm not saying it's going to be a blow, but I do think the Bills are going to be able to come in and uh, and handle their business. I've seen Josh Allen grow each year. And I think he's doing a, a phenomenal job of that growth. Um, but one thing I always tell people, Steelers, they're not exactly uh, inexperienced in taking on uh, big-armed mobile quarterbacks. Uh, you know, over the years, whether it's Lamar Jackson now or, you know, you go back to the days of like Steve McNair and some of the guys that they faced that, that, that came through the AFC North. This is what they do. So Josh Allen will be a great test. I think he's a phenomenal quarterback and I, I really see him being being a guy that, that can give the Steelers fits at times. But a lot's going to tell how well is the defense gelling together in this offseason. We will certainly find out in week one. And I mean, obviously, we're we're doing this on Monday, right? It's Labor Day, so we're recording on Monday. We don't really know. You mentioned Watt already. I think if he's out, that's a that's a big hit, obviously. Right? I mean, he's one of the best players in football. Um, I think last season, what took place in that game, too, is Darrell Williams kind of handled Watt in the second half of that, where they kind of quit trying to do a bunch of stuff and just said, dude, you've got to stop him, <laughs> right? Like, if you don't stop him, we don't have this figured out. And that's, he came out and he kind of stopped him, and that really helped that situation. But I agree. I think this is going to be a battle. I'm trying to really temper my expectations with the Bills this year because just watching them come out, even in the preseason for one series in camp, they just they look electric, right? They just it, it feels like a winning team right now that's just ready to not be stopped. But the Steelers, to me, are a good football team, and they are capable of coming in and giving you a hard time if you're not really ready. And our offensive line has – they're all the same guys pretty much, right? They're mm -hmm. all back, but they've played in like a few series together. You know, it, they haven't been out there much. So this is going to be a test, and I wouldn't be surprised if people are a little disappointed at the beginning of this game that it's really close um, because they're anticipating we should just be blowing the Steelers out. Um, but I think it's going to be way closer than that. And defensively, I'm I'm a little concerned with the speed of the wide receivers. I know we kind of held them in check a little bit during that game last year, but there's speed there and everybody's going to be healthy and fresh. And so I'm, I'm a little nervous about the way this could go, but I do think we do have enough right now, especially momentum. The building should be out of control. Not that the Steelers can't handle any of that kind of stuff, right? They're plenty used to that stuff, mm. but it should be pretty wild, but I'm excited. I feel you. I mean, it, there's definitely a lot to be excited in Buffalo. I mean, I, I, I follow all the different teams, and you know, Buffalo is one of those teams that I, I think has a really good chance to make it to the Super Bowl. Um, you know, and uh, you know, I, I look at how their makeup is from top to bottom. I think you know they got really talented players on defense, really talented players on offense. They're building you know chemistry on both sides of the ball. They're doing a phenomenal job at that. I just I don't subscribe to the notion that this organization with the Steelers is just going to fall off the map, even with some of the tough schedules. I mean, the last time they won the Super Bowl, they had the hardest schedule in the NFL. And a lot of people counted them out then. And I've heard this for years now, Colt. It, you know, it's been like four or five years now. Like, this is the year that the Steelers will fall off. This is the year the Steelers <laughs> will fall off. But guess what, guys? The Steelers are about to fall off this year. I've heard it. This is the fifth year in a row that I've heard they're going to finish 5-11 and 11 or now 5-12. and 12, And I'm just sitting here like, yeah, it's the same old song and dance. And so one day, it, one day it will come true. And then that, and people will say, ah, we told you. And I'm just like, <laughs> right. it, you, after you said it 30 times, yes, eventually it was going to happen. Good job. But again, the Bills are a really talented team. The Steelers are a really talented team. I, I just, I think the Bills, they're carrying that momentum at the end of last year. I think there's a really, really bad sour taste in their mouth with the way that they went out in the playoffs. Uh, I saw that game. You could see the frustration in those players uh, towards the end of the game with some of the penalties that they committed. And you know, with the Steelers, there's frustration on their end. You know, they that was the first time that they had ever lost to Cleveland in the playoffs. And that was the first time since I want to say 2000. It was the second time since the Cleveland Browns 
had returned in 1999 that the Browns had won at Heinz Field. Like, you know, the stat that I always told everyone for years was there were roughly about 15 to 16 uh, high school football teams in Western Pennsylvania that had more wins at Heinz Field than the Cleveland Browns. And, <laughs> and, and it's it's more like down to like nine or ten now, but that's still the point is that, you know, and for those teams to get to Heinz Field, uh, if you want to be a, a Whippeal team in Western PA that gets all the way to Heinz Field, you have to win your division, go through a playoff, and then get to the championship round of that playoff, and then win that game. The Cleveland Browns just play at Heinz Field every year because it's the ball. You know, you know, it's it's like that's and, and, and that's why the Steelers are so frustrated. And I, I think it's a big reason why Ben Roethlisberger was like, oh, I'm coming back because he didn't want to go. I mean, he is he had owned Cleveland his whole career. In fact, last year was, you know, when Baker Mayfield, I think it was like midseason, he became the winningest quarterback you know, at, at first energy stadium for the Cleveland Browns. But before he had done that, it was Ben Roethlisberger who had the most wins at the stadium. So I, I think the Steelers, there's a bit of sour taste in their mouths as well. I wonder how that gels out in the first game. That's what we're all kind of waiting to see. Um, TJ Watt officially did not practice on Monday, but you know, a lot of us are talking Wednesday is going to be considered like the first day of practice for the bills game. You know, they did practice on Monday and do their things. Uh, but you know, if he doesn't practice Wednesday, you know, as he's waiting for this contract negotiation to finish, that'll be OK. This is this is a problem. But if he does, a lot of people are, are expecting him to be right back in. I mean, years ago, back when Paul Marlu was doing a, a contract negotiation, he literally signed a contract on the plane on the way to the week one game. So the Steelers, uh, it's, it's not been past them to kind of wait until the last minute to sign a defensive superstar to an extension. Yeah, I'm not anticipating that he's not going to get a contract done before this opener. I think right. it's important uh, that he's there, and it's it's important for us. I think it, it's more important for us to get this win than it is for the Steelers, in, in my opinion. I think we need this momentum. If we come out with all of this hype and everything, and then you just get knocked out first game and you you got your first loss of the season, not that it's end-all, be-all, right? There's plenty more to play, but it definitely takes a hit to your, your armor, I think, immediately. So um, I'm anticipating a hopefully not too hyped up of a team so they keep it together, right? Um, but hopefully we uh, do handle our business this week, and I think it's going to be a really good football game. But before we get out of here, Chris, uh, we're up against the end here. Uh, anything you want to shout out that you've got coming up, you're working on, anything that you just want to highlight before we get out of here? Well, if you like my work, you can uh, listen or watch the Locked On Steelers podcast. We're on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Odyssey, any of those things. It's Monday through Friday. You get your Steelers fixed. You know, if you, if like, but Bills fans, if you want to scout the Steelers and see what they're doing on top of it, listening to this show, go check out my show every day of the week. I'm, I'm breaking things down and giving you some insight on what the Steelers are doing and you know how things are looking at practice. You know, you can also read my work at DKPittsburghSports.com where I break down film on the Steelers. I also do some pit football and you know. Buffalo's got two guys, Demar Hamlin and Dane Jackson. Uh, both of those guys, I've you know I've seen at Pitt. So um, you know, do you want to see who might be the next uh, guy coming to Buffalo from Pitt? That's another place to check me out. Um, follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Carter Critiques, and uh, stay tuned. We got a lot of great stuff going on there. And listen, I work alongside a former Buffalo journalist uh, or TV journalist, uh, Jenna Harner. She uh, works at our channel 11 WPXI Studios. So um, her and I converse a lot about all things uh, Steelers, Bills, and then things like that. Love it. Awesome. And obviously, Chris, I, I know you're a busy, man. So thanks a lot for coming on, dude. I really appreciate it. I know you got a lot going on. Everybody, thanks for listening in again this week. Uh, we'll make sure we got everything in the show notes for you guys to connect with Chris and follow everything he's up to because he's putting out a lot of good work and you know he's highlighting cool organizations too. So also make sure you head over to CEAPittsburgh.org and that's how you can check out the Community Empowerment Association. And for all things for me, thanks for being here, guys. Uh, 
we're super pumped up coming into the season, all off season. We've just been dragging and going and going and going. And now we're finally here. So I'm super amped for the Nerd Mafia to have a fun season. The Bills are going to kill it this year, hopefully. So thank you very much for being here, guys. Of course, this week, again, the show is brought to you by the Pigskin Podcast Network. That's where you'll be finding us all year long. And of course, go Bills. You just listen to the Buffalo Nerd Sports Podcast. Make sure you leave a review and subscribe so you never miss another episode. We'll see you next time. Leg out. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.